I want to get into a, a new series today. And for today and the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about if God said it, He will do it. Praise God. You know, God is a God of His Word. Amen. I am not a man of my word. I will often say that I will do something and then forget. Anybody else like that this morning? There's a four or five honest people in church this morning, praise God. I'm just going to minister to this side because this is the honest side. All right? I don't know how many times I've said I would do something and with the greatest intentions of the world, not do it. And I know I forget, praise God. Angela never forgets. At least she never forgets when I say I'll do something and then don't do it, praise God. Like painting, praise God. Anybody like painting? Yeah, yeah, I haven't met any. No, Olga likes painting. Well, I've met one person in the world that likes painting. <laughs> Nobody else likes painting. I heard a story one time that Van Gogh didn't even like painting. He just didn't have a pen. So he used to paint. Praise God. Okay, the jokes are not going to work this morning, so I'm going to leave the jokes out. Okay. But I will say things sometimes that I want to do, and I have intentions of doing, but with the greatest of intentions in the world, I never either get around to doing it, or I forget. I have never said anything that I would do that I have intentionally not done, if you know what I'm saying. Did I say that right? I've never, no one has ever asked me, will you do this for me? And I said, yes, absolutely, thinking in myself that no, no way. Because that wouldn't be right, would it? With the greatest of intentions, we say we do stuff, and we try to be men and women of our word, but we don't always do it. Tradesmen say, my word is my bond. But have you ever got a tradesman that turns up on time, or maybe even today he said he'd turn up? Apart from Roland. Roland would do it, I'm sure. But I want you to know today that our God is a true God. Amen? Our God is a God of His Word. If He said He will do it, He will do it. We, we're human. Amen? Pinch yourself this morning. Let yourself know that you're human. This side especially because they weren't very honest. You should pinch yourselves this morning, okay? You're human. Amen? We're human. We don't always do what we say we'll do. But I think that's caused a problem. You know that? Because now we have built up this kind of a, a experience in ourselves that if someone says that I'm going to do something for you, we're kind of thinking that, well, yeah, you will maybe, yeah, yeah. You didn't do it the last time I asked you. This is not the first time I've asked you. And I think we bring this experience into our relationships. Amen? That when someone says they'll do something that we're not always sure that they will. What's even worse? What's even worse than that? is that I think we bring this into our relationship with God. I think there is so many times that we all read the Word of God and we see where God says that He will do something and then we kind of think, okay, I know God said it, but I'm not sure God will do it or not. Anybody else say that? We believe in God, but I think sometimes we struggle to trust His Word. Remember that time when this man brought his son to Jesus for Jesus to drive out the demon that was tormenting his son. Do you remember that? And when he got to where Jesus was supposed to be, he didn't find Jesus. He only found nine of Jesus' apostles. And when he found his apostles, his apostles were arguing with the scribes and the Pharisees. Do you remember that story? Yeah? 
And this man, he brought his son to Jesus to have this, his son uh, cleansed and healed by Jesus. But when he arrived on the spot, he just found the apostles, the remainder of the apostles, and they were arguing with the scribes and the Pharisees. I can imagine him getting there. After going this great distance and bringing his son this great distance, I, I can imagine him getting to the point of where Jesus was meant to be and him going, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? I'm after traveling all this, this time, struggling. Because, like, you know, his son was demon-possessed. So you can only imagine that that wasn't an easy walk. No matter how far they walked, that wasn't an easy walk. So he had struggled to get to where Jesus was. And when he gets there, Jesus is not there. Jesus is away up on the mountain, having an encounter with the Father. And he comes then, and when he comes to the, to, to the remainder of apostles, he goes like, where is he? And the remainder of apostles are like, yeah, yeah, you know, he was here earlier, but, you know, he's, he's just gone up on the mountain there now with, with a couple of other lads, and, and he'll be back any minute. So if you can hang on a few minutes, uh, he'll be here. But then the scribes and the Pharisees are there, and they're arguing with him. They're challenging them. They're kind of like, you know, okay, why don't you do it? You know, you are going around with him all the time. Why don't you just go ahead and pray over him? And, and then the, the, the remainder of the apostles were like, okay, you know, well, we, we've seen Jesus doing this many times. You know, like, you know, when you're younger, you've seen Jamie Oliver, or not even when you are younger, last week, when you've seen Jamie Oliver doing this lovely thing on television, you know, this lovely meal, and you think to yourself, oh, I can do that. You know, and you go try to make the same thing, and poison half the house <laughs> so the the apostles they have been with jesus and this man brings his demon possessed son to jesus jesus is not there he's way up on the mountain and, and and because of the pressure that the scribes and the pharisees the religious people are putting on them they decide sure look at lads we'll have a go how did that work out for him it didn't work out did it they had a bit of a disaster didn't they Praise God, God loved them. They tried, they tried their best, but they failed miserably. Let's read it there. Mark chapter 9 and verse 17, it says, Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I have brought my son to you. This is when Jesus said, came back down, who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashing his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, but they could not. You can't imagine the pressure that would have been on the other remaining nine apostles at that time to cast out that spirit from that boy. They had seen Jesus doing it so many times, so they thought they'd have a go, and they failed. But can you imagine too? I, I say imagine so many times because when I read the Word of God, I put myself there. I'm a spectator in the Word of God, amen? And I, let me say, when, when you read the Word of God, put yourself there. Don't read it like a novel. Read it like you are a witness, amen? Because this is written from a witness's point of view. Put yourself in their shoes. So I can only imagine, after the apostles trying and failing miserably, when they see Jesus coming down the mountain, I can, I, I, I can feel their relief. Here comes Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise Him. Everything now will be okay. So Jesus answered him, verse 19 says, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Then they brought him to Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Are you there? Can you see all this happening? What's the enemy doing? He's putting on a show 
in front of Jesus. Yeah? The enemy likes nothing better than in front of your faith to put on a show. Amen? You know, when you're praying for something, believe in God and trust in God for something, the enemy loves to show up in that instance and put on a bit of a show to try and intimidate you like he was trying to intimidate Jesus here. Amen? Like Jesus comes on the scene. As soon as Jesus said, bring the boy to me, the boy flops over on the ground, wriggles around on the ground, foams at the mouth. What's the enemy is putting on a show to try and put Jesus under pressure in some way. But you know, the enemy's attempts to intimidate Jesus are laughable. Amen? Amen? Jesus is not intimidated by anything that the enemy could ever do. Amen? You know the All Blacks? The All Blacks are probably one of the best rugby teams in the world. Oh, I'm going to say one of the best. We'll see what happens this year. Amen? <laughs> but before every game, the All Blacks huddle together and they put on the hacker. We've all seen it, haven't we? And you know what the hacker is? It's a traditional dance performed to lay down a challenge and intimidate the opponent. And I was thinking during the week when I was thinking about this message, the enemy, every time that we come to have faith in God, he performs a hacker right in front of us. He lays down the challenge. We're coming to God in faith. Amen? We have this issue. We're coming to God in faith. Believe in God for this this breakthrough. And there's the enemy. He comes out after us and he, he lays down the challenge before us. Amen? But just like the hacker, praise God, we don't have to be intimidated by the enemy's best efforts. Amen? Amen? When the enemy lays down the challenge to you, don't allow him to intimidate you. Amen? Just like those rugby players, they didn't allow the hacker to intimidate him. Amen? Notice Jesus was unfazed. He was unfazed by the enemy's hacker performed in front of him. Amen? Verse 21, so Jesus, asked, so Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown a boat into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I want you to notice in this interaction that the father of the boy had faith in Jesus. Amen? He had faith in Jesus. First of all, when he heard that Jesus was healing people, driving out demons, he was motivated to bring his son to Jesus to be healed. Secondly, he, when he didn't find Jesus, when he got to where Jesus was meant to be, he didn't give up. Amen? He waited it out. Amen? Despite all of the apostles' best efforts and failures, he didn't decide, well, you know what? This was a big waste of time. He waited out for Jesus. Amen? I want to encourage the church today. When you pray and ask God for something, you don't see it straight away, wait for Jesus. Amen? Amen? Wait for Jesus. You know when Jesus came down that mountain that day? It wasn't just Jesus in appearance that came down there. It was the answer that came down. Amen? Amen? Jesus is the answer. We need to wait on Jesus. Verse 23 says, Then Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. 
Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And we're going to come back to that in a second. Verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. Again, can you picture the scene? Jesus goes over to the boy. The crowd starts to rush in, crushing in around Jesus. You know the crowd that followed Jesus? Remember we saw an example of that last week? They all started to crush in around Jesus. Jesus sees him coming, and Jesus goes, and he, he casts the demon out of the boy. And he says, demon, you come into him no more. And then the enemy, with his, with his uh, final trick, he throws the boy onto the ground again. And the boy becomes rigid like a dead man. Again, he's at it again, isn't he? He's trying to intimidate Jesus again. And the crowd all around Jesus go, oh, he's killed him. The boy is dead. He's just killed him. How many times have the enemy done that to us? Holy Spirit is telling you, pray for that person. And you're like, okay. And as soon as you go to pray for that person, the enemy is whispering in your ear, if it gets worse, blame you. And you, you pull back. Amen? When you're praying and asking God for the big things that we talked about a few weeks back, and, and as you go to pray those big things out of your mouth, you know, God, I'm trusting you, and I'm believing you for the... The enemy's whispering in your ear. What if you don't get it? And then you downscale your prayers. Anybody downscale their prayers? Amen? Lord, I'm trusting you for complete healing, Lord God. I want this thing gone out of my body in Jesus' name, or at least I want some pain relief. Ever downscaled your prayers? You see, the enemy will not give up. Amen? The enemy is tenacious. Amen? Even when he was being commanded to leave the boy, he still convulsed him, threw him to the ground, and he he caused them to be like a dead man. The enemy doesn't give up. God will never give up. We need never to give up. When the enemy tries to intimidate you in your prayer life, when he tries to, to uh, put you off, don't let him, amen? Don't let him, amen? Drown out the voice of the enemy in your life. Don't fall for the tricks of the enemy. Amen? The enemy, when he threw this boy to the ground, made him like a dead man. He was trying to intimidate Jesus, but he was wasting his time. Amen? Verse 27 says, But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Praise the Lord. God is not intimidated by the enemy, and neither should we be. Amen? He's not phased by the tricks of the enemy. He's not distracted by the crowds of unbelievers. And he is not overwhelmed by your needs either. Amen. When you go to God, God is not overwhelmed by your needs. God is not like someone sitting at a table there with with stacks and stacks of prayer requests all over the place. And, And then when you come with more, he's like, you know, I can't handle all these prayer requests. 
He's well able, amen? Amen? Our God is well able. He's not, he's not too old. He's not losing his mind, amen? Praise God. He is not overwhelmed. He is not phased by the tricks of the enemy. And you will not talk God out of his word. And we are to be imitators, amen, of God in that. Don't allow the enemy to intimidate you. Always remember that if God said it, he will do it, amen? Looking back to verse 22 there for a second. It says, and the man said to Jesus, verse 22, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out with tears and said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. The man said to Jesus, if you can do anything. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible for those who believe. Church, nothing is impossible for our God. If we never get anything else into our head today, get that into your head. Nothing. Now, okay, let's get a little dictionary definition of nothing. Anybody tell me what a different dictionary definition of nothing is? Nothing. Amen? Praise God. I was never a straight-A student in English, but I do understand what nothing means. It means nothing. It means devoid of anything. It means minus nothing. It just means nothing. Nothing will be impossible to God. But God, what about this? Nothing. But God, you know, what about this? The doctor said this. Nothing. But God, what about this situation? Nothing. God is trying to say to us, and, and I think here's what God is like, you know, can I get in there? Get this in, in, you know, this thing here. That nothing is impossible for me. Nothing. Amen. We can approach God with the attitude of He can. Amen. Because Jesus Himself said, If you, are you a you? You are you. If you can, I'm a you. If I can believe, all things are possible to him, those, they, whatever other kind of gender you want to put on that, to all, everyone, no matter where they're from, what they think they are, or whatever, to everyone who believes. Amen. Nothing is impossible to everyone who believes. Amen. You understand that now? Can we move on from that? Nothing is impossible. If we can believe, Jesus said, nothing will be withheld from us. Remember that day that Jesus was approached by the ten lepers? You remember that story? Over there in Luke chapter 17, in verse 11 it starts, and it says, Now it happened, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then, as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. Now again, I'm there. I'm there. I'm watching that, okay, from a distance. I'm reading it, and I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, I'm looking at Jesus. I'm listening to what he's saying. 
I'm looking at these 10 lepers and I'm watching their facial expressions, okay? Facial expressions are so important, aren't they? If you're a husband here in church today, you understand what facial expressions mean, don't you? Because when you do something wrong, your wife doesn't have to say anything. They just have to look at you. Amen. So, I'm watching the facial expressions of these 10 lepers today, okay? And they call out to Jesus, okay? They, they've heard about Jesus, so they know that he can heal. So they call out to Jesus, have mercy on us. They want to be healed. And Jesus, from a distance, okay, says, yeah, see it? Go show yourselves to the priests. And I'm looking at the facial expressions of these lepers now, and they're like, you know, uh, no, 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 that's not the way it works, Jesus. You're meant to come over here and do what you did to that other leper that we heard you did before, and you lay your hands on us and heal us that way. Or remember there a few weeks back there when you came across that blind guy, you spit in the ground and you made a bit of mud and you rubbed it in his eyes, yeah? We're, we're looking for something like that. You know, remember when you raised that dead person, you went in there, you laid hands on them and you, you know, you commanded them to get up, that kind of stuff. We're looking for something physical, Jesus, not just, you know, words. Words are easy. Words are easy, aren't they? And all Jesus said to them was, go Show yourselves to the priests. I think these, 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 these lepers demonstrated some amazing faith because they took Jesus at his word. Church, i got to ask you, when you read through your Bible, and you should, when you read through your Bible and you see all these wonderful, amazing promises of God, promises to bless you and your family and prosper you and take care of you and heal you and deliver you? Do you believe him? Do you take Jesus at his word today? Well, we should. What I love about these ten lepers was, even though they'd heard about Jesus, they'd heard about all the great miracles that he was doing and and him laying hands on other lepers and, and all of the other great things that he did, all the healings and the raising of the dead and all that sort of stuff. And when they called out to Jesus, I know they expected Jesus to come over to them. But when Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest, they turned on their heels and they walked away. And as they walked away, they were healed. They believed Jesus at his word. Church, we need to learn to believe Jesus at his word. Amen. If he says it, he will do it. Amen. As they walked away, they were healed. Amen. Church, we shouldn't always expect God to do it our way. In actual fact, we should never expect God to do it our way. God can do it anyway. Amen. I mean to tell you, can you imagine what that blind man who asked Jesus to heal him for? And, and he was blind. So all he heard was, oh. That's all he heard. I mean, he said to Jesus, he said, Gee, I, I need healing, I'm blind. And all he heard was Jesus getting ready to hock up a spit. And then he heard Jesus delivering that spit onto the ground. And I'm sure the blind man must have been standing there and he must have been, What's going on here? <laughs> Praise God. 
If you don't hear that in Mass on Sundays, do you? Praise God. We got to believe God at his word. Amen. Trust Jesus at his word. Because Jesus doesn't do it your way, doesn't mean he's not going to do it at all. He's going to do it his way. Amen. God will do it his way in his time. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Church, if God said he'd do it, he will do it. We need to trust him. Remember when the Apostle Thomas, best known to all of us as Doubting Thomas, remember when he was absent when Jesus came back after he was resurrected. You remember that story? Jesus came back and he stood in the upper room and Thomas was missing. And he came back and he was spent some time with, with the rest of the apostles. And then Thomas, he, he went again. And then Thomas comes back on the scene then and and, and all of the rest of the apostles say to Thomas, you know, hey, Thomas, Jesus was here. You missed him. And Thomas is there then and thinking to himself like, you know, um, um, if I didn't see him, I don't believe him. I don't believe your word. What did Thomas say? He said, unless, actually, let's read it. I think I have it here. The other disciples, verse 20, uh, sorry, John 20 and verse 25. The other disciples therefore said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And he said to them, unless I see his hands and the prints of the nails and put my fingers into the prints of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas said, seeing is believing. Touching is believing. Despite everything that Thomas had witnessed, all of the healings, all of the deliverances, all of the provision, you know, multipli multiplication of food, multiplication of fish. He'd seen all of that stuff. He'd seen the dead raised. He had a front row seat for all of that stuff. And I mean, Jesus himself, on three occasions, said to his apostles, he said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be killed. And I'm going to spend three days and three nights in the tomb. And after that, he said, I am going to be resurrected. I am coming back. And despite of all of that, despite all the miracles, despite three and a half years of walking around with Jesus, and then despite the rest of the apostles, now I mean, it's easy to get one person to tell a lie. This might be, even if you worked on two or three people, you might be able to get them to hold on to a lie. But I'm telling you one thing now, you would not get ten people to be able to hold on that closely to a lie. So even with the rest of the apostles, the other ten, uh, saying to Thomas, hey Thomas, he was here. You just missed him. He still said, you know what? Unless I can put my hand into his side and, and put my hand into the hole that the print of the nails, I'm not believing. Seeing is believing. And then Jesus appears to him again. And again, listen, I'm right there. And here comes the ten apostles, oh sorry, all eleven apostles are there now in the upper room together and in comes Jesus again through the wall and here goes Thomas over to the corner to try and get as small as he could to hide from Jesus all he could but Jesus makes a beeline for Thomas, doesn't he? Makes a beeline for him. And Jesus said to him in verse 29, he said, Thomas, 
Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus said that we, we are blessed when we believe in him, even though we haven't seen him. We're blessed if we believe in him. Amen? Church, we got to believe that if God said it, then he will do it. We got to believe that if God said that he would heal you, then he will heal you. We got to believe that if God said he will prosper you, then he will prosper you. Amen? We got to believe that if God said he will deliver and restore you, then he will deliver and restore you. This is not a book of fiction. This is the true word of a faithful God. Amen? Amen? Do you know what it takes, the qualifications for you to be called a liar? You don't have to tell 10 lies. You don't have to tell 20 lies. You don't even have to tell five lies. You just got to tell one lie. If you tell one lie, you are a liar. Amen? Amen? Our God is faithful and true. He never has told a lie, nor he never will. He is true to his word. Amen? Remember what the, remember what the, the, um, the Gentile Roman centurion said to Jesus? He said, only say the word, and my servant would be healed. If a Gentile Roman centurion can believe God and his word, then what's stopping us? Amen?